Hello, my Facebook family. Happy New Year. Ooh, 2024. Happy New Year. And what were we doing on New Year's Eve? <laughs> we were at Crystal's. You want me to say your age? No. Okay. We was at Crystal's. Okay. We was at Crystal's 60th birthday party. I'm still tired. So <laughs> it, was, it was fun. It was. But it was an early, early party. So we got home safely, and I was I was in bed by ten o'clock. I don't know about Rebecca. I was in bed by nine. Oh my goodness, yes. you beat me. Yes, I did. Oh my goodness, Rebecca. I was just that tired. So <laughs> here's the million dollar question: Are you ready to go back to school? No, I'm not. <laughs> Rebecca, certainly you're ready to see your little angels. You know you haven't seen them in two weeks, and they are just chomping at the bit to see you. They probably are. They and probably are. And what we can both say <laughs> is this: after the new after the new year, at that Christmas break, when they come back to school, they have got the energy of about what a twenty mule team, yes. at least, at least. Yes. And that's part of what we're going to be talking about today, because so many teachers and teachers, we're talking to you, we're talking to you, teachers. So many teachers have got are throwing up their hands, Rebecca. Yeah. And you see yeah. it happen daily at your school. I've seen it happen for many years. They're throwing I've thrown up, their up hands. my hands. A no, you times. haven't. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. <laughs> but you always come back. Yes. Yes. But people are throwing up their hands. Teachers are doing this because they just don't know what to do right. to manage. Some of what's happening, and I'm going to tell you, it's especially it's especially challenging after summer break, oh, after yeah. spring definitely, break, definitely. after Christmas break, Thanksgiving break, Thanksgiving break. And why do you think that is? Um, because the kids are not used to being in school. School is, even though it's a permanent fixture in their lives, yeah, from kindergarten to twelfth grade, it's still not a permanent fixture because they only are in school what five days a week, eight yeah. hours a day for nine months. So break time is, and everything is super structured too. Yeah, right. So when they're at school, when they're at school, yeah. everything is super structured. Yeah, you know, at home they can go to the restroom anytime. They can eat all day long. They can play video games. They can sleep. And they since can the parents are not home. That. They can say yeah. basically whatever they want to say. Right. So, so that does that always transfer back into the classroom? No, it does not. It doesn't. And Rebecca, Ever. What we, <laughs> yes. And what we are having such a problem with right now, and anyone who is a Texas teacher knows this, we're having a, a problem with getting teachers. And once we get them, having them to stay in the classroom, they won't stay. They're there a year. They are there um uh six months maybe two years i've seen some I've really seen good them. ones gone after my my counterpart who was uh uh an eighth grade teacher at the school you still he stayed there two years and he was gone and he was awesome because he was coaching and doing everything else but he was out of there mm -hmm. so what we're going to be talking about today and it's really something for you to think about and hopefully we'll give you some tips that are that are going to be useful but we're going to be talking about why teachers don't stay. Rebecca, you are a big part of the Houston Federation of Teachers. I am. Here in Houston. I am. What are some of the complaints that, you, not complaints, what are some of the concerns that you hear about what's going on in the classroom that make teachers say, I'm out of here? Well, I honestly, one of the number one issues we always talk about is discipline, for one. Mm -hmm. Um, Back when I was in school, yes, which was like many moons ago, but how many moons? Uh, <laughs> you knew I was gonna make you. <laughs> I was gonna make you. I've been out of high school twenty one years. Okay, so, um, so at least twenty years. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, how's it different now? Well, twenty two years with twenty four coming up. Yeah. Oh, it's way different. Um, parent involvement is down. Okay, so when you were in high school, there was actually a lot of parent involvement. Oh, yeah. It was wow. a lot of parent involvement. Okay. A whole lot of parent involvement. Okay. Um, so let me not just say parent. The community aspect right. are totally out of the schools now. Yeah. When I was going to high school, it was a community 
effort. So it wasn't just parents and teachers and it was parents, it was teachers, it was community members. Any given day, you would see a pastor walk through the halls of my high school. And everybody knew who he was. Exactly. Yeah. Um, any given day, you would see a board member. Um, and a crazy feeling, we thought the board members were teachers at other schools, but they weren't. They were board, they and, were board and, members. And, and, and to a great degree, people knew who these people were. Exactly. Yeah, because they were part of the community. The first time we saw them wasn't when they ran for office and were on the school board. Right. Yes. Right. Well, so the community aspect is totally not there. And yeah. um, half of it is by design. Half of it is by changing communities, of yes. course, with gentrification. Right. And um, with gentrification, with community uh, developments, uh, people moving out, people moving in. Just we don't have that sense of community anymore. So the schools, I'm going to say in certain areas, yes. are missing out on that community involvement. You know, let me ask you this, you know, before we we uh, kind of jump into the different things that we pointed out as some things that we really need to look at. Is that is there hope for that? Do you think that the that community involvement um, will ever be back to where it was? I feel can. like if the if it can, yeah. if the schools are more inviting to allow that to happen. Yeah, I think the schools reached out more to the community. They did then. Yeah. Yes. So it was like, then you had different like organizations come and put other organizations. Um, you had organizations that would come in and develop mentorship programs within the schools. Within yes. the schools. So you had access, like even if a child, like I was in top teams, for example, uh-huh. and top teams was very expensive. If you know anything about Jack and Jill, top teams were is on the same level of Jack and Jill. So a lot of parents could not. I was fortunate to have a parents who could, you know, mm-hmm. allow me to be in those organizations and pay for those organizations. But you had kids that I went to school with that their parents couldn't afford to put them in organizations like that. But then you had those same organizations come in and start school wide mentorship programs. Yes. So those kids wouldn't miss out. So you don't have that anymore, though. I've even noticed field trips are down. Are down a whole. In many lot. schools, they're non-existent. Right. Yes. Um. We used to go to the symphony. We used to go to the Nutcracker museums. All of these other things. Um. They used to teach us how to dress up, how to talk. They took us to different restaurants. Yeah. I mean, they really taught us etiquette and how to present yourself outside of an academic curriculum. So let me ask you this. Um, and I'm going to ask Kenji if he would. Kenji, can you can I please have a water? Can we please have a water if you have one? Two, please. <laughs> he's he's always he, he's so nice. He's looking at us like I don't believe that you didn't tell us that before we went oh, on. Yeah, yes. But um, so so let's 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 look at it from this standpoint, Rebecca. Managing the classroom. That's what you hear so many. Thank you so much. That's what you hear so many. Um, Teachers, talk about when uh, you start asking them their reasons for not wanting to stay within the classroom. It's being able to manage the students. So we've already established that the student that we teach now, I'm not going to say it's a different student, but it's a student that has a lot um, the, the challenges, t- challenges that they face before they get to the classroom may be far greater. Right. Yes. I can agree with that. So <clears throat> managing the classroom, the combative student the combative student in certain schools in certain schools you may have a a high percentage of of students within one classroom that would be considered combative what first of all before we even talk about how to manage a student like that what would you say are some of the reasons that a student may come to class in a combative stance? What are some of the things that you've heard your kids talk about as to why they're angry when they get to class? Oh, their home lives. We can start there. Yeah. A lot of these children come from fractured and broken families. And not to say that just because a child comes from a, a, a broken family that they're going to be, you know, terribly behaved. You right. have some kids who mamas didn't kill what they circumstances was. You're not going to go to school in that crazy. That's just not going to happen. But um, you have a lot of them who come from broken homes and not just broken homes, 
uh, they come from homes where they're not eating. Yes. They're going two and three days without lights. Crystal and I have had Her kids. Her water being on. Right. Crystal and I have had kids who hadn't had showers in three and four days. Right. Like coming to class with dirty clothes. I remember that Yeah. I, I don't do it so much now, but I used to have hair products in my um, in my drawer. And I would discreetly have a little bag and I would tell the girls, look, I will get somebody to wash my class, go into the restroom, and I would do hair in the class. I mean, in the restroom. Wow. Okay. Like now I've 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 never I've never I've never done that, but I will say this. I remember that there was a uh, a year when it was especially challenging for some students. And our person who was the wraparound person at our school. And when you talk about forging community relationships, Rebecca, oh my God. this is something now I'm going to tell you, I'm going to shout out to Mr. Deutsch. That's the, I don't know if he's still there or not, he is. but let me say this. He is. This Big person, shout out to him. This, this, this particular person reached out into the community and he was able to, uh, during this year when it was so challenging for, for some students, he was able to form a partnership with the high school that was the feeder high school to our middle school so that if those families did not have water that was running in their house at, at six o'clock, they could go down to the high school and take what, what they needed and they would allow those 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 uh, families to shower. Especially when they had the, the freeze. And, yeah. and especially when we had the big freeze and there was, you know, during, well, during water COVID, was an yes. issue for everybody. Yes. Because the pipes were frozen. Right. So, yeah. And, and you know, that's, that's the kind of thing. But when you say forging those community relationships, that's what we're talking about. Exactly. And I believe that he also was able to, to make a partnership like that with the y, the YMCA in the area. And those are the kinds of things that really, really make, uh, make a difference in a student's life. Mm -hmm. But in, in managing the classroom, let me say this. Um, when I go into the classroom, when I go into my classroom, I can always say that I'm a, a, one of those teachers that's always on, I may be on three because, because um, Ooh, I I'm don't, not. I know. <laughs> and we're going <laughs> to talk about the different styles a little bit because we just have different, different, you know, different styles, but in managing the classroom, um, I'm one of those teachers that's on three. So if a, a student comes into my classroom and that student is combative, uh -huh. I can sense it immediately, okay? And I may say, okay, I want everyone to go out and take out, uh, take, uh, take out their notebook. And I see this, this student is just not going to do it. Okay, I'm not going to stop what I'm doing with everyone else to make this student go ahead and take out their notebook and, and begin. What if I'm observing that he's not doing anything or that she's not doing anything as I am walking around that classroom, Continuing with what I'm doing, I will put a pencil on that desk, put a piece of paper on that desk, go ahead and and uh, and and make sure that they've got the work on that desk too. So I'm not going to raise the the issue or the temperature in that room by even addressing it. I'm going to supply that student with what they need, and then as I start the others. Um, out on their guided practice or independent practice, I'm going to circle back around to that student and say, okay, let's look at this one. And first of all, where they may have wanted to be combative, you, you have not engaged them in that combat. Right. Okay. <clears throat> and, um, and, and, and many times all they want is a little bit of attention. They want a little bit of attention. So I'm giving them that one-on-one -on -one attention while the others are, are getting started. And you have, many times diffused a situation that could have gone in the exact opposite direction. I know that you have had some, uh, some students that have been uh, combative in your class before. Yeah. I and, and, and you're, and you are a little bit more uh, of a stickler for that respect in the classroom. Tell me exactly how you uh, <laughs> deal with some of those students. So ironically, uh, they show up the first day. Can I say this? You can say whatever. They show out and I show right back out. Then they realize, oh, I say, you know, crazy, crazy means crazy, right? Oh, my goodness. So then, <laughs> uh, 
then it's like step outside. And then I'm a totally different person because now I done pulled you out of your atmosphere. And because and, and the reason and there's a method to why I do that. Mm-hmm. One, because I need the other students to know, please understand that. I, I let me just say this. I assert my dominance. <laughs> I'm like that the, the lioness. I assert my dominance in my hole. So, so that's number one and then number two but when I take them outside it's a totally different Rebecca like I'm very concerning I'm very let's go what's going on and then they realize oh wait not she can get on my level but she does care and then they tell me what's going on and then I can't ever get rid of them Crystal always said, oh, I see you got your babies in here. I was like, oh, my outfit, I do. They just won't leave. Right. <laughs> well, you know what? And the thing about it is, and, and like you said, and it, it this is what works for you. Right. And so I'm I'm like a lioness. I have to establish my dominance in, 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 in with the cubs. They have to understand that I'm the mama lion. We're not going to do that. Well, and you know what? I can say that I'm somewhat dominant but in a different way yeah (laughs) somewhat dominant but in a different way and the way that i would address a student like that is kind of just like i said number one i have never in the time that i've been in the classroom for the last 17 years i have never engaged with a student in a back and forth dialogue that was a combative dialogue ever when i can see that a student is in that place I am if they're on 10, I'm gonna make sure I'm I'm all the way down on two. And she's number, right. Yeah, and, and number she's two. She's so right. Yeah, number two. Number two. I will never do that in the presence of other students. I will always ask that student to step outside. And sometimes, Rebecca, you know this. They will try. They will definitely try to engage you in that conversation. They will. And I'll say, go ahead and step outside. They so will. we'll step outside and 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 then we start, okay. What's going on? Mm-hmm. What's going on today? Because you're not yourself. Right. Okay. And and immediately that immediately that entire attitude of the student changes. Okay. Because first of all, they don't have an audience anymore. Exactly. There's no one to perform exactly. in front of. And that that is the kind of thing that helps you get to where you need to be. Now, someone asked me this. Uh, so that's how that's how I would deal with a combative student. I've never had a fight breakout in my classroom. No, I haven't either. I've never had a fight breakout in my classroom. Well, I did one time, but I wasn't in there. I wasn't in there. I was in a meeting. (laughs) And who was in there? uh, It was uh, a TA. Mm -hmm. No, it was a TA. And the principal, because we were were in a meeting, and she was on the intercom, on the walkie-talkie. She said, Rebecca, that's coming out of your room. But I wasn't in there. Yeah. So that was the one. And I've been teaching. Well, for, that doesn't count. Yeah. That but I've been count. teaching for 10 years, going on 11 years. And in 11 years, I have not had a fight break out in my life. Now, I've had principals tell me this when they walk through. They When they walk through, they will tell me, it's so calm in here. And I see some of the exact same students that are constantly being written up in other classrooms and they are completely engaged and they're, they're doing what they need to do in your classroom. What is going on? And sometimes, I mean, I cannot put my finger on it, but I will say this. Many times the way that you handle a crisis situation is going to dictate what comes back to you from that student right now i've always been a teacher and and they asked me about this too why do you have i've heard several students i mean several teachers tell me this this student just won't give you any work i can't get any work out of them there's not one student that i can't get any work out of not one i always get work from my students and how do i do that the way that I do that is when I see that they're not working, like, like we said before, I'll make sure they have everything that they have, that, that, that they need. It's right in front of them. And I will go by and remind them two or three times, go ahead and get started. Go ahead and get started. Go ahead and do this one for me. Let's do this together. Okay. And it'll be one or two. And then what I will tell the entire class is this, the entire class. I want everyone to know this. If I am going to get my assignment 
from everyone. And you've got those ones that want to challenge that and they'll just lean back and like, if she's not going to get it from me, I'll say, because if I don't get what I need and I promise you guys, it's not a punishment, but what I'm going to do is simply write your name down on the list because you're going to hand me your paper with your name on it. When you walk out of class, I don't have a student pick up papers in class. Every person who is in that classroom as they exit that door, they hand me their own paper with their hand so I can look at it and see if there's nothing written on it. Okay. And if there's nothing, nothing written on it, I have them step to the side and I'll just say, just write you. That's fine. Just write your name on the top of it. So at the, when it's lunchtime, I look at it. And if I see something with their name written on it, I've already okayed this with my principals. I'll walk into that lunchroom and I'll say, I need to see this person. And you know, the, the APs have got the mics and they'll say whatever. I need to see this person, this person, and this person. They'll get, um, and the APs will say, you all need to go with Ms. Dillard. We go back to that classroom and we sit down and we get that assignment done. Now, you only have to do this one time because if there's any place that those kids want to be, it's with their peers during lunch. When you pull them from that environment, you don't, they don't ever want to go back to a situation where they get pulled out of lunch again because that's their freedom. I only have to do it once. But when I do that, I get, I don't keep anybody after school. I pull them out of lunch. And when you do that one time, you don't have to do it anymore. And I always get work from my students. Always. Yeah, I'm not giving up my lunch. Well, so <laughs> well, you know what? I'll put it like this. That's just me. Other than other than other than have to have it have and that's why I don't necessarily have have, have to have uh, conferences with parents for not doing uh, right. Not I don't either. Work. I don't either. So this well, is hang on. Oh. but here's the thing. That is establishing a dominance. And you don't I would rather give up one lunch out of 181 is that how many school days we have mm -hmm. out of 181 and you never have to encounter encounter a certain type of problem again okay so i'm different <laughs> i'm uh i'm different uh so for me um i don't force them to do anything and i tell them that you don't want to do nothing i'm not gonna force you to but you will fail and i um especially and it's always my athletes that don't ever want to do nothing the boys so i just simply i don't write you up i don't call your parents because none of that phases you but what does phase you is i go talk to your coaches and it has never ever 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 failed me i said look um i'm gonna just let you know you know so and so don't need to be practiced because they haven't done my work they're missing this they're missing this they're missing this and told me they're not going to do it so i'm gonna let you handle but when you when you have a situation like that, <clears throat> that kind of circles back to you still have kids with no work when you need to have something graded. So subsequently, as a result of the way that I do it in that way, I don't have kids fail. Right. But yeah. see, I will fail them and I don't have a problem doing that. And then when they can't play, the first thing they'll ask me, well, Miss Williams, I, don't, I said, well, did you do my work? That's that's after you fail them. And normally I do it around progress report time. You show them that one time that you're not playing about what you you show them that one time, especially when they're athletes or they in a band or they're chilly. You know, you do that when there's incentive tied to them doing the things that they want to do. Then I, I don't have any problems and I don't have to get parent intervention. I don't have to get any of that. You know, but when I talk to those band directors, when I talk to those coaches, when I talk to dance team, when but I talk to chilly coaches. Failed. So, but I mean, sometimes failure, look, the biggest life lessons come from failure. That's the life lesson. So the biggest life lessons come from failure. I believe that to my soul. So, I mean, you, okay. you, you messed up this time. So what are you going to do to fix it? Because I'm not changing. So what are you going to do to fix it? Well, one thing that, that I can say is that um, it's interesting when my appraisers come up, come along and they'll say, how do you have work from these students and you have a work portfolio and they don't have work in any other classroom? So I guess that's kind of the difference. That's right. Kind of the but difference. eventually yeah. they do do my work. You okay. know, they do do my work. And my 
Um, and even I've had principals to say, that's a brilliant idea. Like you go to the, you don't call a parent, you go to the coaches in the band. Cause this is something that they want to do. They don't necessarily want to be in class learning. They don't. I mean, for the most part, they don't, they want to do all the fun stuff. So if you put a hinge in that fun stuff, then they'll realize that I got to take care of business first before I go and have fun. So Rebecca disagreements with other students. So we know this happens constantly. And I know that there may be, there may be, and, and I've seen teachers handle this in many, many different ways. And some of them have been hilarious. And I will not, I, I'm not going to uh, give a scenario that happened to us at a, um, a school, but we both worked at one time. But kids do get into disagreements with each other. How, how do you handle that in a classroom? Um, to, to stop, to stop a situation. Well, I separate them because normally, yes, normally they, they're sitting together being disruptive. And then, um, well, first I pull them both out and I tell them what we're not going to do is this in my classroom. No, 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 no. And then I explain to them and then they want to tell, everybody want to tell me they side of the story. Everybody wants to tell me why I need, but I, I said, I will deal with this after class. So then I sit down, I have them, the students who are in disagreement, I have them sit down after class and um, have them tell me what's going on. And then we come to some kind of resolution to fix it. And it works with, a lot of my students appreciate that from me simply because um, I give them an opportunity to express themselves. A lot of kids are shut down all the time. I don't want to hear it. I'm going to write you up. You're going to get in trouble. Like they don't get a chance to express what's going on. So when I do it, I have one side to talk. I have another side to talk. And then I mediate. Now, I don't, I, I don't know. That's, and, and that's given a lot of, of, of time to that situation. Now, what I, what I usually do in a situation where I know, well, first of all, let's talk about the first day of school when kids come in. Now, I'm generally an eighth grade teacher. We're both middle school teachers. Yeah. So we've got certain ages that we're working with. And it, with ages like that, you don't necessarily, I don't want to treat them like kids. I begin on day one treating them like they are young adults. Right. Okay. And they're not young adults yet, but they've got to, to, to learn how to assume that posture because it's coming very quickly. Mm -hmm. And this is what I tell them. When you come in here, I'm going to allow you to sit wherever you want to sit unless it becomes an issue for me. Right. If it becomes an issue for me or if you are posing a distraction that I can see, not you, then you are going to sit where I want you to sit. Does everybody understand that? And I have them write that down. I can sit. I can choose my seat. Unless it becomes an issue for Miss Dillard, if I ask I do you, to, if I, I ask you too. to move, if I ask you to move, because you're by don't me. ever ask me why, because I've already told you why, and I don't have to tell you what that issue is. The issue could be that you are on your cell phone. Mm -hmm. The issue could be that you're chatting with someone else. The issue could be that you're distracted doing something else, but whatever that issue is, I'm not going to tell you what the issue is. I'm just going to say, Jane, I need you to move and come and sit right here. And they'll say, miss, why do I, why do I have to? And the first thing I'll say is that I never have to explain to you why. Right. If I have you move, it's because it's become an issue for me. And I could never understand yes. why kids, why we have to explain things to kids. And then my friend, you don't. who is a parent, mm -hmm. told me, she said, well, we made the mistake. <laughs> she said, we made the mistake of explaining things to them all of the time yeah. as parents. Instead of just telling them to do what we asked them to do, we explain things to them. So then when they get to school, they bother y'all and want explanations for everything because we give them explanations for everything. Well, and the thing about parents. it is we don't have the, the time, the, the class right. time 
to explain everything. So that's why it's so important that you establish exactly what your expectations are, are on day one. Exactly. And my expectation is that you get to have your freedom because I want you to have, I want you to have some, uh, uh, some, uh, some say, and some say in what you do. But if, when, if, if whatever you do becomes an issue for me, then I'm going to step in and change that. Some of my students sit in the exact same seat they picked for the entire class uh, class uh, year. Yeah. Why is that? Because they understood that if I step out of line, I'm going to have to move. Okay. So that lets them know immediately that they control whether or not they get to sit by their friend. Now, Sometimes you'll say, you'll see that there's an issue between two students. Mm -hmm. And I've had teachers to say this to me before. So-and-so and so-and-so -and -so got into a, a fight in my classroom. There was a teacher that I was mentoring a couple of years ago. And he said, these two boys were going at it and they were uh, 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 about to get into a fight in my classroom. I said, well, where were they sitting? And he said, well, they were sitting beside each other. And I said, wait a minute. If I know or if I could hear that something is brewing between two students, exactly. you're going to be on opposite, opposite sides, sides of, of the, the classroom. Room. So in order to even engage that other student, you're going to have to disrupt my class. Classroom. And then it's going to be me that steps in. So right. many times you can avert a lot of that. Just by changing their seats. And that's right. If it doesn't work for you, right. they have to Some change. Move. That's right. So. You know, a lot of times that can happen and that stops a lot of fighting, a lot of, uh, you know, fights from 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 even from beginning. Place, right. Sometimes I've had classes where I don't even know that uh, students are having problems with each other or don't like each other because I have them sitting on opposite sides of the classroom because because I could sense that there was something when they came in. Uh -huh. Now. I've had whole classes sometimes. And sometimes, Rebecca, you can attest to this. You have some classes that are more spirited than others. Yeah. Okay. Well, those are my favorite ones. And that's okay. <laughs> but the thing about it is you still got to get through that lesson. Of course. When you have classes that are more spirited than others, this is what I've had to do sometimes. And a lot of times you may not even know this until you are three weeks into class, one month into class where everyone has gotten to choose their seats, right? Right. Okay. Then when I can, can see at that point that we're going to have to make some changes, what I'll do is this. They'll walk into class, okay? They sit in their regular seats. And I'll say, okay, I need for everyone to stand up. Take your backpacks with you. Go move to the back of the classroom, okay? So what? What, Miss, what did we do? What did we do? Didn't do anything. Take your backpack with you and move to the back of the classroom, and then by that time, I know their personality. Mm -hmm. I know what they do. And I know everybody's name. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, okay, I want you, Jennifer, to come sit in this front seat. Now, that's, those are generally going to be the ones who I have to correct the most. I want you to sit right here. And I might put Jennifer right by my desk. And they're pouting and they're puffed up like that. But that's okay. And then the least popular kid in class, I'll come and sit them right beside Jennifer on the side. And then I'll sit the next least popular right behind her. So she's not surrounded by any of her friends anymore, any of her little crew that 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 she is uh, um, generally that they're able to, to kind of get her started. We do that all the way until I've got people sitting where I, where I want them to sit. And they're mad. Everybody's mad at this point. <laughs> and I'll say, like we care. Yes. I'll say, <laughs> OK, now these are your new seats. They're your permanent seats, unless I tell, tell you, you uh, anything else. Yeah, and then I, I tell will, you differently. And then I will take out, and it, it's already made because I have my seats configured in a certain way in my classroom. And I'll make that seating chart, and I know where everybody is, and I'll hang that seating chart right up on that little thing. So if a substitute happens to come in there, or if another teacher uh, happens to be in that class for the day, they can look and see exactly who's supposed to be where. So because one thing they'll try to do if a sub comes in, they want to sit. That's right. And once you do that, that is a teachable moment, Rebecca. And I'm going to have you tell me kind of what you do also. But that's a teachable moment because and I will tell them this. If this works for me, 
for the next two weeks, I may let you try to sit by your friends again. Mm -mm, I don't. Okay. Well, then, but, but, but you know, <laughs> the whole thing about it is mm -hmm. you're instilling a maturity and a decision making. But you teach you eighth know. grade. I yeah. teach seventh grade. Yeah. I can't do a lot of the things you do with eighth grade because they are. They're not there yet. They're not there yet. Yeah. Seventh grade is known as the worst <laughs> grade in middle school. Hey, that's what a No, not worse. They just have more energy. They have so, more energy. I can't treat for for our audience out there who be like, oh, Rebecca's just so mean and cruel. No, I Rebecca's teach mean and cruel. <laughs> I teach seventh grade and yeah. I've taught seventh grade for the last eight years. So I have to do things totally different. Crystal has taught eighth grade for the last eight years. I've taught seventh grade for the last eight years. So I have to do things totally different in seventh grade than eighth grade. So how would you how would you uh, deal that with that though, kind of situation? That though, that's standard for middle school though. What's that? Uh, moving them from uh, moving their seats around. You'd be surprised. Yeah, it's that's standard you, for middle school. You that's, would, not not necessarily. You'd be surprised because you still have have teachers that can't figure out while the kids are fighting in their class and they got them sitting right by each other. You know, you, you'd be surprised. You're right. You'd you be right. surprised. Um, it should be standard. It should be. Yeah, I, I thought it was. Okay. So, but like Crystal said, now that's what I do. Um, and I also taught sixth grade. So, she, so did she. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so that's okay. You're right. Cause I just thought that was standard. I'm still stuck on why that's not standard. But that's not, but, but you know what? And that's and that's but the I whole think it's point. experience and, too. And that's the point that we're that's the whole point that we're making why teachers don't stay. So what, what we're doing is just giving people a a few tips that are going to be the easy things that will help you go ahead and have some order in that classroom so you can you can you can calm yourself a little bit in order to get to where you need to be and I hate a situation and i hate to see good teachers leave yes because but you know what i i a lot of that too crystal might get mad at me when i say this but <laughs> a lot of it i blame administration i'm sorry to my principal friends and admin friends but and tell uh, us what you mean by that and, and this is why i blame administration because when you have new teachers coming in fresh off the block right and you put them with their mentor teachers if you if if you've done that yeah if sometimes that's that. not done at all right if you put them with a mentor teacher which every first year teacher should have a mentor Absolutely. teacher i don't care if they teach in private school charter Absolutely. school public school whatever school in the nation yes. every first year educator has to have a mentor right but we know in it this day and happen. age, it, it uh, a lot of that doesn't exist. And Rebecca, let's just say this. Sometimes it doesn't exist because you have so many teachers. The, the attrition is so bad sometimes that you don't have enough mentor teachers or, or seasoned veterans to put someone with. Right. It's not because administrators don't necessarily want to. It's because the, the, the tenure on that campus may be four years. Right. But I'm, I'm not giving them a pass. So, so let me say this. When you have new teachers on campus, it is incumbent on administrators to check in. And I know they like to say, well, we busy too. Yeah, but that's part of your job is to that coach is. teachers. So you need to be in that first year teacher's class, not criticizing them because they're going to make mistakes, but actually be there to coach them. Right. Well, did you do this? Well, let's try this. Let's try this. A lot of times administrators go in and they want to evaluate a first-year teacher like a fifth-year teacher or a nine or ten-year teacher that doesn't work you know so it's on incumbent upon them to be by their teacher's side or be by their groups of teacher's side when the mentor can't do it to get to the say hey well do you need help with something or what are you struggling with how can i be available to you um and i know in certain schools that's easier said than done i'm, right. I'm aware of that too um, but I feel like sometimes they escape. Uh, well, at the end of the day, the buck stops with them. Right. And, and it cannot be a good feeling when you are an administrator at a school and you have an, a, a teacher attrition every year, a turnover of 30, 40 or 50 percent. 
that's not a good look. It's not. Yeah. It's not. And that's been a lot. And I dare I say, and I was having this discussion with somebody else. Um, you know, we're talking about closing the achievement gap. We're right. talking about closing the achievement gap. One, I feel like we've been talking about closing the achievement gap for over a hundred years, and the achievement gap has not been closed. The achievement gap will never be closed because, and let me say this, and I don't mean to blow anybody's hair back by saying this. But, no, because it, it's, it's, it's time for us to be long, real yeah, about as, what's going as, on. As long as you have people coming from different socioeconomic, psychological, emotional circumstances, you're going to have different elements that have got to be addressed and overcome before any learning can take place. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And it's not always going to be. And and people don't realize this is being dropped in the lap of the teacher, because when those kids walk in, whatever they are carrying from home, whatever is on their back, whatever mom said to them or dad said to them, that, believe it or not, that affects your child. And we're going to have to deal with that when they bring it into the classroom and multiply that now times 30. Right. So let me also say this. Um, and so you put it very nicely. You really did, Crystal. You're so sweet. <laughs> but I really feel like the reason the achievement gap can't be closed because if they try to close the achievement gap, many people won't have jobs. That's a whole nother story for a different day. But that's how I've seen it. In what respect? So tell me what you explain that to us. Oh, it's <laughs> as one of my my favorite mentor teachers told me, it's money and failure of the school system. Okay. Because you have specialists, you have counselors, you have behavioral people, you have um, teacher specialists, you have principal specialists, you have coaches, you have nonprofit, educational nonprofits, <laughs> you got uh, consult, everybody is an educational consultant, you got curriculum people, if this curriculum don't mm -hmm. work, then try this curriculum. And I mean, and that's another thing. We're talking about the kids, but let's get on the adult responsibility, shall we? Because a kid's learning environment, a teacher's work environment is a kid's learning environment. Yes. I had to, to steal that, Jackie. She's the president of HFT. Yes. So what do I mean by that? We are switching curriculums every two to three years. They tell us, okay, y'all are going to teach it this way. And then two years later, okay, that's out. Now we're going to try it. Like, wait, what? So as soon as we get... But the information stays the same. Exactly. Yeah. So as soon as we get to doing it teachers, one way, changes. Yeah. then they say, when I say they say, I mean district, mm -hmm. says, okay, well, now nah, we're not doing that no more. This is what we're going to do. Like, what? We just learned. Right. Okay. So then you have all of these kids coming in year by year, grade level from grade level, grade level to grade level. Oh, by the time they've graduated, they've looked at 17, 18 different curriculums. And don't don't factor in. Remember, you got to also factor in the uh, the renegade variables. You got things like COVID. You got Hurricane Harvey. You've got the freeze of the century. You've got the flood of the century. All of these things are factored in, too. And all of those things are affecting the kids that are coming from home and bringing it into the classroom and one thing that we have got to be realistic about is that the the achievement gap is never going to be closed. That's a it's utopian failure. That's a utopian thought. Right. And that's not going to happen because in our society, you're never going to equalize everyone. Exactly. Everyone will not. Hopefully exactly. it's our job. And I think that it's my job as a teacher to try to get my students to the pinnacle of what they can achieve. But it, but your pinnacle may not be mine or hers or his. It may not be. It's That's not. right. It's, it's going to be different for everyone. Because each child is different. That's right. With different set of circumstances. Yes. So this is my thing. We keep harping on what's best for the children. At this point, I'm done talking about that. What's best for the money? Because this is where it's going now. It's going, what is best for the money? How are we getting our bottom dollar in? It's not about the children anymore. And education has not been about the children for 10, 15, 20 years. We're all scared to say it, you know, but it is what it is. And but here's the thing, Rebecca. Now, before, and, and not to step on anybody's toes, back when I was in school, and this is way before you came along, but 
you didn't have a hundred different specialists running around. At, okay. When I was in school, you didn't. You, you, you didn't. And somehow the kids made it out. And they, a, a lot of them, even the ones who had maybe some special circumstances, they made it out. And, and the vast majority were able to come out and be successful in life. Last year alone, I had nine people rotate in and out of my room from August to May. What do you mean by that? Okay, so what do you do? Oh, Ms. Williams, I'm here for multilingual. And I love my multilingual people. I did because I, I had bilingual kids. Right. So I loved them. I didn't mind them. Right. Multilingual people teach people, teach like a champ, came in. Um, then they had then I, a consulting companies. Right. Consultants. Yeah. Then I had uh special ed people come in, which was needed. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Then I had behavioral people come in. Right. I mean, I, it was just a rotation of people, and these people got offended, blatantly offended when I asked, okay, so what do you do? Why are you in here? Like, well, I'm such and such and such. A, okay, so why do I need you here? Like, oh well, they wrote a grant, your district wrote a grant, or we're fulfilling a grant, we're fulfilling this 501c3. And that's the kind of thing. Let's be let's be honest about it. If when those things happen, it's only a professional courtesy to let teachers know who's coming in those classrooms and 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 who some of these people are coming in there, so that we will know exactly how to include them in what we're doing or, or whatever may be the case. Oh, but when there's when people I have one, in, yeah. one consult education consultant person said, "Well, Miss Williams, now mind you, I've been teaching the same lesson for nine years." history right she never taught history a day in her life miss williams uh you didn't do this you didn't do this for the kids you didn't do this you didn't do this for the kids you didn't do this for the kids so crystal knows i get a little possessive <laughs> over my classroom so i asked i said okay i'm gonna be nice about this i'm i'm gonna I'm be a team player today i said well you come model model means you come show me how Which, you would teach this class. That's right. How you want me to do it. You know what she told me? Oh, I don't do that. They don't pay me for that. So why are you here? <laughs> but then, <laughs> just, but then, you know, the principal got word of it and I had to go to his office and sit down and have a conversation. Miss Williams, you can't talk to these people like that. No, but seriously, what is the point of them being here if I'm asking them to do something for me, for the kids, and they said that's not in their job description. What is in their job description? Well, let me tell you what was interesting to me before, um, you know, I'm not in the classroom right now, uh, um, and it was my choice, but I'm not in the classroom right now. But let me tell you what was interesting to me before I left the classroom. I was presented, as were you, with a brand new uh, way of uh how someone wanted to something to be taught okay that i've been teaching mine for 17 new curriculum well i'm not even going to say that it was a new curriculum it was a cu curriculum that had been commandeered from uh from the the uh, a previous administration and placed onto slides literally commandeered and placed onto slides but when they were placed, when this curriculum was placed onto slides, no one decided to go in and do their due diligence to see what the flow of the lesson was and to see what the timing of the lesson was. It was literally taken, screenshot, and placed onto a slide. Now, I knew because I, because I remember when the curriculum was written right. that this lesson, each of these segments that had to be taught, needed to be taught within a 90-minute period. Well, this time, they took two of those and two of those lessons and put them onto a, a, a one-day lesson situation, not realizing that they're two 90-minute lessons and they can't figure out why the teachers aren't getting through the lessons. So, so you do the math, Rebecca, Rebecca two 90-minute lessons. Isn't that 180 minutes? It is. Okay. And then That's two they, class periods. Am I right? And then, hang on. Hang on. Now, because uh, I'm going to let you say, I'm going to let you say your piece because you know where I'm going with no, this. I know. Okay. Then this is, and, and the, the teachers are saying, wait a minute. I want you to come in and you teach this lesson for me. 
to these to these coaches. You come in and you teach this lesson to me. Let me see how you get through these this this 180 minutes and 90 minutes. I want to see it done without anything being being uh, uh, compromised in the lesson. And let me tell you what the response was that we got. Well, now we want you to make the lessons your own. Do it uh, it yourself. Well, instead of saying, you know what? We slipped up. We did not go go in and and do our due diligence and go through this and let this lesson and, and let it go through a lesson cycle to see what it was. Well, make it your own. You you change it the way it needs to be. So not only am I trying to teach this lesson and stay on pace, but I'm now doing what had already been done in the previous curriculum, had already been timed and paced and having to redo somebody else's, uh, somebody work that someone else and if you know anything about history, history is taught in sequential order. Yes, it's got to be chronological. For it to make sense. I get the curriculum and I'm saying, wait, what? What? And then I was gaslit. Yes. I was gaslit and said, well, you are the expert in the room. So if you know that it's wrong, you, you need to fix it. Instead of saying, uh-oh, we were wrong. Let's back this up and let's say, okay, teachers, you know what? We may not have 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 looked at this as carefully. I apologize for that. You got to be part of part of being a professional is being able to admit when you've made a mistake. When you've got a situation where no one can admit when a mistake was made and the mistake was made on their part, that is going to be a real challenge and it's going to be difficult to swim your way out of that. One of the things that grinds my gears about this whole educational business, everybody is making decisions for teachers except the people that's in the classroom with the kids. I'm getting fed up at this point because everybody got all of these bright ideas And not one person has sat down with a group of teachers and said, hey, what do y'all think about this? What do y'all think should happen? Right. If something is not done in the next 10, 15 years, and I'm not just talking about in Houston, I'm talking about Texas and the nation. Educationally, yes. People, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to make you clutch your pearls, but... I'm I'm afraid to see what this society is gonna go with these group of children. I just and the I thing am. about it is, don't let anybody tell you, no matter what high horse they're sitting on or what position they're sitting on, in any administration or or, or 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 school organization, that teachers' jobs are not that certified teachers' jobs are not important. Certified teachers' jobs are important. It takes a certain personality. It takes a certain uh, set of circumstances and variables to find people who are going to stay with this type of situation. Everything that we've just described to you for the long haul, when you've got teachers who have been in the classroom for 20 years, 30 years, 15 years, 10 years, they're there, you know, this is not difficult math to do. At a certain point, you're somewhere because you want to be there not because you have to be there. There is a shortage of teachers around the nation. A shortage of teachers around the nation. Yeah, as something... Your teachers are not your enemy. We need to be doing whatever it takes. And and you know what? I'm going to even... I'm going to step out on a limb and say this. To the very people who may be sitting in a position and trying to discredit or demoralize teachers at this point and the position that they play in our society. If you can read this, thank a teacher. Right. You ever heard that? If you can read anything that's on this, on this, and I mean a public school teacher, if you can read anything that's across this podcast, if you can read anything in those comments, you need to thank a teacher. So you need to go back and reevaluate what you're saying and maybe step into a classroom a 2023-24 classroom 
before you decide or you say what teachers uh, should be doing and what they're not doing or what they're not uh, they're not doing in the right way because unless you have done that and I mean I mean in the classroom within the last two years because it's changed unless you have done that then you have no you have no you're not sitting in a position to make a judgment call or to call into question the professionalism of any teacher out there. And I'm going to take it a step further than that. Um, yes, the children have their set of issues. We all know that. We can rattle that off for years and years to come. Right. But And they've always had issues. Yeah. What I feel like is not happening is the adults not taking responsibility for what's happening in these classrooms. The politicians, that's why it's so important to go vote. The yes, politicians, yes. the 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 ed reform, I mean, these are the people that's responsible for what's happening in the classroom. And I mean, you know what, Rebecca? Let's throw this out there. Let's throw this out there. And let's see who who actually who actually will pick up this, pick up this tidbit and run with it. I challenge. Anyone who is sitting, especially in Texas, in a Texas state elected position, in your time off, I want you to go and take three days, uh, three days out of the year and you go and volunteer to sub in a classroom so that you can see exactly what teachers are going through on a daily basis. I wonder how many people are going to pick up that charge. That's a good charge. But especially my, uh, some of you who are retired teachers who have who who are sitting sitting by and letting things just kind of happen around you, especially some of you who are retired teachers, go back into that classroom so that when you go back and it's time for you to vote and make decisions, you can make a really informed decision based on what you've seen happen in that classroom today. Yeah, it's it's it's. It's sickening. I just, I, and that's the that's the only word I can describe it. It's it's sickening when you care about kids and you see what's happening and you see what's not being done, and then you have administration bless their hearts in some areas that says, "Well, let's just go along to get along because we all got jobs and we all got bills. I hate that. I we hate that. we got jobs and we got bills and we got yeah. mortgages to pay and we got things that we have to pay." And at the end of the day, nobody is taking into consideration that this is going to be a generation of kids who are not going to be kids forever. These are going to be adults very soon participating in society. They're going to be where I had this conversation with my family over New Year's Day. I said, you know why y'all nothing. And I had my friends laughing, too, because. They said, oh, the customer service is so bad now. You go into these restaurants and they give you the wrong change and they do this and the service seem like they have an attitude. I tell you who's not surprised by it, every single teacher that's in America. Your classroom. That's right. And the thing about it is we've been warning y'all and trying to tell y'all this was what's, what's going on. We've been showing you for the last 15, 16, 17, 18, 20 years what's been happening and Teachers are getting blamed for it. But now they're in society serving your food, taking your money at the cash register. And you know what, Rebecca? We're as we as we kind of draw to a close on this, and we're gonna circle back around to why Texas teachers don't stay. Everything that we've talked about, ladies and gentlemen, everything that we talked about is something that not that we've heard about in the classroom is something that we experience and we've experienced that on a daily basis. Don't ever, ever listen to anyone who is telling you that it's not the teacher's job to, to uh, be the mother in that classroom, because guess what? When that mother is not present, we've got to step into that role. Don't ever listen to anyone who's telling you it's not that teacher's job to be the father because we end up having to step into that role. It's not a choice that we make. It's what we have to do based on what is coming coming to us. So the teachers, the teachers who are who are producing what you're seeing out in society, they have got a huge charge in front of them in terms of what they have to deal with. And those of us who go in and we stay in the profession, 
it's we're there because we want we want to be there. And elected officials are also blame y'all. I do. I'm sorry. The blame lies on you. You sit here. You want us to go vote for you. You want us to 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 vote. You yeah. campaigning, 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 campaigning. Are we never hear from you? And we're telling y'all what's going on. Yeah. We're showing you. Teachers are walking out of classrooms daily across yeah. the state. They said 51, uh, Randy Weingarten, who is the national uh, union president, right. said that 51,000 teachers walked out of the classroom in July. And on that note, Rebecca, we, you know, that is quite a note to end this on. That's quite a note to end this on. That's not a good thing. So we got to figure out a solution to it. And you put the people in positions in our states to make these decisions. And if they are going to have teachers under the bottom of their shoe, then we need to decide if we need to make a change. Because when you don't have anywhere to send your kids, when you got to go to work, they got to stay home and sit in front of a computer and you hope that they are learning something. Then that's going to be an issue when you don't have any teachers to, to step up and say, I'll go in there with those students and, and, and I'll take on that charge. But anyway, we're going to have such a good year, right, Rebecca? <laughs> we're going to have a good year. Um, guys, again, Happy New Year to everyone. And we this this was not meant to be a, a, no. a gripe session. We're not griping, but we want you to know exactly what we do go through in the classroom. And if we didn't want to be there, we would not be there. We're there because we want to be there. Encourage your teachers. Encourage people to go into teaching, but 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 respect those teachers and what they deal with on a daily basis, the way that they need to be respected and pay them accordingly. Hello. And ladies and gentlemen, my teacher, my fellow teacher friends, I know that we're going to catch a lot of you guys um, uh, tomorrow when you see this. But guys, we want to hear your comments. We want to know where, where you stand in and this. And you know, guys, I'm going to always stand up for us. She is. I'm going to always stand up and advocate for us. Yes. And I just want to uh, mention uh, and say thank you to the people that commented. Thank you so much, Paulette. Paulette is a former teacher. Thank you so much. We've got Kim. Kim is a very concerned a citizen who had a, had a student coming through school not too long ago. So she knows what we're talking about. Um, thank you, Jan. I grew up with Jan. Thank you, Jan, for watching, for tuning in. And we've got some great comments there. Teachers, let us know your opinion. Chime in on those comments. And until next week, like we say every week, Rebecca, we, we can, can do, do it. it. Talk to you later.